you're listening to The Chartographers. The Chartographers. Uh, it happens to be that music-loving podcast intended for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it from the l- most poor to the least poor. That's what we do. What's word? happening? Is it is it because Brie told you to breathe when she no, was no, no, in no. the seafood no, 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 no. and now you're like being so deliberate? Listen, as you know, I, I read criticism and never accept it. But more importantly, though, more importantly to the fact, though, uh, I'm mixing things up a little bit because actually today is a very monumental day. It's not just the fact that this is the Chartographer's wonderful podcast where this is our 22nd artist whose discography that we're ranking. Ooh. No, today, this right now what we're doing in the moment and you listener are here with us this is our 50th episode wow. that we've done that. yeah isn't that insane yeah. i never thought i'd do anything that would reach 50 episodes not sitcoms <laughs> not i mean not anything really not and hot flashes that's yeah. a fair point i yeah. also didn't ever expect to be a part well because of like we do these artists we record these artists all at once like we do the part one and uh, sometimes the part two and then the mini so all at once it doesn't feel like an right, episode so to me it feels like 22 episodes right but, but at the same time still 50 episodes guys thank you so much for uh, listening that's yeah. a big deal so to celebrate and we are, there's actually quite a few things we're celebrating on this episode fyi mm-hmm. uh but to celebrate we are covering uh we've done a lot of classic rock artists this season we've done michael jackson we did talking heads we did led zeppelin like we've done so much like you know even like Daft Punk they're kind of a modern artist but they've been around since the 90s so whatever we're doing modern stuff now guys we're mixing <laughs> it up we're heading on a path we're making a break for the new uh, and that's why this week we're covering a beloved artist by many a soft spoken but forceful uh, artist of great artistic intent that's why this week guys we are tackling the one the only one of the top 10 artists of all time you do not want to see eating soup that's right guys we are talking about iron <laughs> and wine Mr. Beam if you're nasty so guys that's, I'm sorry. That's soup? what that's what you're going with. You don't want to watch him eat soup because he is heavily bearded. Is it a beard it's, thing? It's, it's not. It's not. I, no, no, no. But like that beard is like it's like that's like he loomed it together. Like it is like a whole I mean, like. What? Yeah. When he lets it go, he, it he's is. He's also impressive. like a southern gentleman, so I'm I know. sure that he's like fairly good at eating soup. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he has, he's got those I soup skills. I kind of see him eat soup now. But literally, I was <laughs> Just looking to prove you wrong. I'm not even kidding though. I was looking up images of him earlier, and for whatever reason. And, like, I actually found a couple of him with the beard, and he looked like Jesus, like, legit. And it was, like, a legit, like, oh, my God, that is very uh, Christ-like, which is interesting given his history. But, hey, guess what? We're going to get into it in a little bit. Before we start getting into the joys and the craziness of Sam Beam and his wonderful acoustic world, uh, we need to talk about the amazing people that we have gathered on our 50th episode. Uh, first off, there is me. I'm Evan Soddy. You might know me as an editor of Pop Matters. You probably know me as the host of this podcast. And if you know me as the host of this podcast, then you know the person sitting next to me, A, is wearing an iron and wine t-shirt and b is the brian deck to my sam beam that's right guys he is the one the only taryn o'reilly Woo! Woo! yeah oh my god i'm so fucking jazzed <laughs> i'm so excited that we're doing iron and wine i love that we're mixing it up and just doing whatever artists we fucking feel like. right exactly and, um this is i mean i'll talk about this more later but especially this week just like drove home that I think this might be my favorite artist ever like period like just as far as like sheer number of songs that I love he wins 
So He's up there for me too. Like he just has such a consistent and yeah. anyway, we'll we'll get into that. But yeah. moving on, people yeah. in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but the other person that we have here, uh, you might recognize her from our Death Cap for Cutie podcast that we did where she killed it. Uh, <laughs> she's also, in terms of our celebrations, actually celebrating her birthday Ooh. in the studio right now. There's festoonery all abound. <laughs> if you hear balloons popping, uh, that's my apologies. That's right, the one, the only Carita O'Reilly. Carita! Hello! How are you doing? I'm good. Good. It's my 30th birthday, by the way, dear listeners. Yeah, exactly. It's an important. So news. that means you've been listening. Yeah. You're not that old. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. It is your 30th it's my birthday. 30th birthday. Taryn just had a revelation in the studio. I just, you know, you're just 27 in my brain. Forever. So. Forever. 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 Yeah. She's 27 for the third I, time. Well, that's funny because I feel like 27 is when I started feeling like I was 30. So maybe that's just like. <laughs> it's all catching up at that point. Okay, fair. Yeah. And now let's talk about about a 42-year-old while we're at it. Uh, <laughs> Sam Beam of Iron and Wine. Uh, this is a South Carolina Bible boy who's kind of grown up. Uh, initially, he got his degree in film and shit uh, and was like a uh, professor at a university, but then really uh, one of the guys, uh, the brother of Ben from Band of Horses, lent him a four-track player. Like, you should try out some shit. Uh, and then that led to him recording some hush little acoustic numbers that led to him having quite the heck of an indie rock career. Uh, and here's the thing. We're gonna rank his albums, but what qualifies as a fucking Iron and Wine album? That is up for debate. Let's just briefly go through it. Now, first up for anything else, there are five flat-out regular-ass albums. There is <laughs> The Creek Drink the Cradle, uh, his debut from 2002, very hushed acoustic lo-fi. There is uh, 2004, Our Endless Number of Days, uh, Lush Acoustic Hi-Fi. Uh, then there was uh, 2007's Breakthrough, The Shepherd's Dog, which was, you know, all sorts of colors and sounds and texture all over the place. 2011's Crazier Kiss Each Other Clean, much more texture, much more sound. Uh, there, and then there's 2013's, yeah, it's an album, 23, <laughs> Ghost on Ghost. Uh, there, he has those, and that seems pretty enough, five albums we've done five LMRs before but wait a second there's so much oh there's so much now, <laughs> less than half of his released material yes. that is true and Taryn from the Cold onset perfect. during research week and even before research week he's like we need to include the EPs now, walk us a little bit through why you think that's so important and vital for this artist more than any other well more than any other artist we've done, cause a lot of times EPs include songs that later end up on the albums, yeah. mm -hmm. but all all of his EPs are standalone pieces of work where he had an artistic statement in mind and he just wanted, it, it was only five or six songs. That's mm -hmm. what I was and, just thinking also. His and EPs are like, this is what I had to say and I'm done. It's not like I need to put something out in between albums. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. For some yeah. artists that's true though. Some artists right, they just yeah, like no, it's like, listen, is... our new album is gonna be epic and we hire like eight orchestras, so here's a little thing in the meantime, like kind of a holdover kind of thing. Right. Or like it'll have like the lead single from that EP will end up being right. on the album because it's a hit or whatever. Flaming but Lips, this isn't yeah. what Iron and Line is about. And I just think they're very important for watching the arc of his artistic mm -hmm. development. Like, the Woman King EP from 2005 is, like, such a perfect stepping stone for the two albums on either side of it. Yeah. And it also has a couple of just his greatest songs that he's ever written 
Well, we'll debate that in a second but, here. But anyway. But there's also the C and the Rhythm EP, kind of his carryover between uh, his debut Creek Drink the Cradle and our Endless Number of Days, mm-hmm. which very much carries on the same kind of artistic bent of Creek Drink the Cradle. It's an yeah. EP that he put out. Right. Uh, popular on dorm room campuses and for, you know, archivists of folk music and what have you. Uh, but uh, the other thing is there, and that's cool, if we want to include those EPs, I don't think, I don't think, Karita, you would have much objection to including those. Not as, at all. No. Right. But then we run into the other issue of his collabo. And yeah. he's got quite a litany of collabos. There is his Calexico uh, EP, In the Rains, from 2005. Uh, there is his album, his uh, covers album he did with Ben Bridwell of Band of Horses uh-huh. called Sing Into My Mouth. It's terrible. Uh, and uh, then there's also uh, his uh, album credited as Sam Bean with Jessica Hoop, uh, Love Letter for Fire, from 2016, his lowest debuting album that he ever had on the charts. Uh, he has all of those together as well. Uh, generally, and for the most part, with the exception of Robin, I think we generally don't count collaboration stuff. We did on Kanye, too, though. Yeah. But the thing is, with collaborations, is that we're... Because they're all... Like, not only are they collaborations, but they each have another thing about them that makes me not want to include them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, In the Rain's... I would love if we included, but I don't need us to, because I think it's a really strong group of music. Mm-hmm. Um... But like Sing Into My Mouth, it's a covers album. I don't feel any need to right. include that. It's mm-hmm. it's that that seems more like a passion project than yeah. something that needs to be included in his canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for Love Letter for Fire, I really enjoyed it, especially going back to it this week. I love what they brought out in each other. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not Sam on mine. Yeah, exactly. And I think that and I think he did that for very specific reasons yeah. that I don't quite understand, mm-hmm. but it's not Iron and Wine, so I don't think we would include yeah. it. And if we're going to include In the Rains with Calexico, like... Then we have like to we like include, include, include all this yeah. other so stuff. Then, yeah, it, just... it wrecks our deck. You know, we have a stack bracket on this. We don't Although In the Rains definitely is Iron and Wine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, abs- I mean, and that would be the difference. And that's also a huge step. Yeah. But two. what? Right. But, but what? And we'll talk about we'll it in the happy about. hour mini yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> but we're not ranking it. Also, he has two random like EP rarity comps around the well and archive series volumes one and apparently two and three, which no one knows about. Well, two and three are just um, vinyl like only. vinyl singles. Yeah. A side, B side, two songs. Archive series volume one again has some pretty great stuff yeah. on it. If yeah. you're if you're into the Creek Drink the Cradle sound. It's for sure worth checking out. I, yeah. I buzz that shit out of clubs all the time. I really do. It's so goddamn good. Uh, but hey, listen, at the very least, though, I think that's a no, pretty that's me- not anyway. it's a pretty measured debate that we have here. Uh, <laughs> they we take have... him seriously at this point. <laughs> that's true. I'm sorry, does anyone take I me seriously? Why if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure it's hard to take As me seriously. As Evan always says, it might be someone's first episode. <laughs> in which case, we should warn them, don't take him seriously. <laughs> I am so serious. You hear it in my voice, sing into my mouth. All right, so listen, there are seven uh, releases that we're talking about here, Creek Tree of the Cradle, Seeing the Rhythm EP, Our Endless Numbers Days, Woman King EP, Shepherd's Dog, Kiss Each Other Clean, Ghost on Ghost, seven albums, seven rankings, worst to best, uh, Birthday Girl, Karita O'Reilly, dear friend, music lover, and aficionado, it is your turn at the table on the docket. Number seven, in your estimation, what would you nominate as the worst Iron and Wine release? This is seriously tough is it is it controversial what you're about to say no okay but (laughs) i don't i mean i don't think so we don't know we don't know we haven't talked about that beforehand we're about to i mean i i thought about it a lot and i would honestly go with ghost on ghost 
Okay. It's a fair decision. It's a fair It's a fair decision. Let's then briefly give people a bit of context of Ghost on Ghost first. Now, uh, the thing is that when Kiss Each Other Clean came out in 2011, something crazy happened where uh, it debuted at number two on the American uh, album charts. Like, it was insane. He reached this, like, apex of, like, indie popularity. He had songs in the Twilight soundtracks. Yeah, I was, so all of a sudden, I was like, how the hell does everyone know who Iron and Wine is? Right. All of a sudden? Like, it really what? was. It was Twilight. It was Twilight. And, yeah. it, which, and, and Garden State, which honestly. We well, right. It, it's, it yeah. started with Garden State. And then I feel like from Our Endless Number Days, uh, Naked As We Came was absolutely an indie hit. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people knew that song just as a standalone. Like, from it, it transcended his Usual, artist level and yeah. became... It's more than just good press that's elevating your record. Like, oh, people on blogs are sharing this shit. Right, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. obviously, the song at the end of Shepherd's Dog, Flightless Bird, American Mouth, was used in Twilight. And there's a wedding times. version. Yeah. Um, but even, even bes- I know, I was so mad. I was like, no, that. you don't deserve this song! <laughs> I know, I know. I was, like, as soon as I saw... And then I was I like, Karina, I'm... you just watched that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you watch a whole movie just for an Iron Wine song? You're dedicated. You're a fan. It was right after a breakup, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, even before that was included on the Twilight soundtrack, Boy With a Coin yeah. was a pretty sizable yeah, indie hit. off of hit. Shepherd's Dog, right. So, you know, the, like, the momentum was rolling, and yeah. so it makes and, and, sense to me that then his next album after that got a lot of attention, especially because it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Ghost on Ghost is weird because like I felt like after you went kind of maximalist, like synths and textures and colors all over the place. Well, on and he each other also clean. had the biggest budget at oh, this yeah, point. Oh yeah, exactly. And then he's like, you know what? I want to strip it down a little bit. I want to take a step back there. And the thing is about Ghost on Ghost, like I don't mind uh, like talking about its faults because it is also immaculately produced. Oh yeah. It sounds like a solid Iron and Wine album, but why is it not connecting with you? Like yeah. That's, and that's it. I don't. I can't tell you why. Yeah, but it just didn't. I've. I've. Terrence been, been riddling been this for a while. Like racking my brain. Yeah. This week especially, because when I first heard it, there are a couple songs on here that I thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think the Desert Babbler is really fun. Mm-hmm. It makes liberal use of strings and. There's a lot of fun harmonies. That's the other thing is that on this album in general, there's a lot of really cool harmonies. I mean, that's his whole career, but especially here, there's a lot of really cool harmonies. There's great backing vocals using their own little hooks. I like there's Grace a ton for Saints of... and Ramblers, that little, yeah. little keyboard line. Yeah. So here's the thing is, Uh-oh. I think that was the first single, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I heard it and I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I I don't know. It did not hit me. I felt like it was, it felt like... <laughs> I can't even. It you felt, can't even articulate. It, it felt like both nothing new and nothing the same. Like somehow yes. at the same yes. time. Yes. Like um, you know, one of the things I love about Iron Wine that I'm sure we'll get to talking about is his lyricism, and I feel like he's using some of his his tropes and grace for Satan and Sin Ramblers, but it just feels like. Yeah, it doesn't connect. Well, and so the biggest thing for me is that I feel like, and it's something that actually came up during our Death Cab episode, too, and I think there's a lot of other artists who can yeah. describe the same thing of how, at a certain point in their careers, they, like, if you've been doing this gig long enough, mm-hmm. you stop becoming a songwriter and then become uh, craftsman. a craftsman. Yeah. Yes. We're basically, like, it's just all of a sudden it's secondhand nature. Like, I could pop off some songs whatsoever. Yeah, right. Like, like, just, the, yeah. like, I'm sure that the lyrics and melodies just, like, fall out of him at this point. Right. right. And that's the thing, like, when I listen to these backing vocals, like, everything's in place, but I don't hear the enthusiasm. Yeah. I hear the obligation and that's, behind it. There's and I it's not consistent on the entire album, Correct. but there's there's a lot of songs on here where again, all of the elements are there, but it just there's no color. 
Yeah. There's no life. And he's doing the same things. He's, right. Like the backing vocals, the melody of them yeah. totally evokes Shepherd's Dog and Kiss Each Other Clean. Yeah. Like the yeah. way that he uses the horns and all of that. But it's just like, I, I, I almost have to say it's something in the mixing. Like something yeah. with the way that the this vocals album are recorded was... at the back of the room. Yeah, right. Because each other clean. He was like forcefully singing for the right. first time in his career. And a lot of yeah. the vocals on on Ghost on Ghost sound yeah sound like they're recorded either from across the room <laughs> or like they've had just a ton of reverb applied to yeah. them. Yeah, like too much reverb. You guys like reverb? <laughs> um, and and yeah, but then even like the way that the horns and the pianos and all of that is, it just sounds. Yeah. Just it's so blah. Yeah. Right. Like this is the first album where I it just feels gray to me. Whereas every every other album of his has such huge flashes of color. Right. Yes, I I totally agree. And there's still moments. Yeah, there are moments and, and something. Love is revolution. Like, I. Like, oh yeah. 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 Yes. That I mean he nails that one. That's because yeah. from very early on he has songs like anti political like yeah. capitalism kind yeah. of songs and lovers revolution is where he really hammers that home like yeah. it is he's His most overt that right, he's been in songs. like time. he sounds pissed yeah you know and there's um and that's a new emotion that's a new texture that's a new flavor yeah. in the mix and but I, you don't hear it in the rest of the album and i can see i think if you were someone who kind of discovered him from twilight mm-hmm. and so <laughs> like even if you knew his other stuff but like but like you joined on at the flightless bird american mouth Part of, part of the journey. And yeah. then you heard Kiss Each Other Clean. Ghost on Ghost probably was a really exciting album because it's still a good album made by our favorite artist, you know? Mm-hmm. But when it's you a like. Fine album. It's a fine album. Yeah. But when you place it, when you. Like, I have been listening to him since 2002. And so when I, you place it in that lineup, it's just like, yeah, this, this is not your best, yeah. dude. <laughs> now, and listen, I don't think we're none of us are going to really disagree on the fact that Ghost on Ghost is not great. But, and I and correct me if I'm wrong about this, oh, Tara. I also just want to say oh, yes. New Mexico's No Breeze is. might be. My favorite song on there. Oh, I, I find it so boring. Really? Yeah. No, There's just something so airless about the instrumentation on see, it. See, I feel like that's one of the few places he finds, like, a breath. Like, mm. he was... I, I read a quote from him specifically that on this album he was trying to get away from the, quote, anxious tension that had been, like, such a huge part of the previous albums. And A, he doesn't totally accomplish that because there's a couple, like, very... Like minor key, anxiously (laughs) tense songs on here. But then he also, he very much is trying to go for like radio friendly 70s pop. Right. And I think that he perfectly hits that nail on New Mexico's No Breeze. But anyway. But if I were to take a wager, I would say there might be something else you would nominate for the lowest spot on here. There is. Yes. I would say (laughs) the Sea and the Rhythm EP. Not, again, not that it's It's only bad. five songs. It's only five it's songs. It's only five songs. Mm-hmm. And really, the only ones that I want to come back to are Beneath the Balcony, which is like a, a nice song, and I really like The Night Descending. The Night Descending is a great-ass song. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And the, I personally am a little bit fond of The Sea and the Rhythm. It's a little bit more shellacky. It's a little bit more kind of... I like the lyrics on that one. Yeah. They feel like weirdly yeah. vulgar. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's fine. But Je- yeah. yeah, Jesus the Mexican Boy, I don't have to listen to again. I can tell you that right now. Really? Yeah. See it now? I like that one. Really? Yeah. Oh, See, we all have different yeah. things. So, what do you think of this EP? Um... I mean, I like I won't EP. throw I won't throw fit if, <laughs> if if it's number seven. I like I said I kind of was juggling actually that one in Ghost oh, okay. on Ghost. 
I think often the sea and the rhythm gets wound up in the creek drink the cradle. Yep. If you if you put it on a playlist, I would completely be like, oh yeah, that's on yeah. the same album. Yeah. Um, and in in fact, when I was looking, I was like, oh yeah, that's an EP. Like I, I sometimes forget it's not its own album. Like in my head, there's just like other songs that don't actually exist that exist. Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, sure. Does yeah. that make sense? It's, um, it's on the deluxe edition of Creek Drink the Cradle, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I, so I guess I just put the C in the rhythm higher because it for me it's it's the iron and wine sound that. I love so much. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I, I don't want, I, I think we're all kind of in rough agreement here, but you're also the birthday girl. So let's go ahead. <laughs> let's put ghost on ghost at number seven. Okay. Let's put the, see the rhythm EP there, but also that is the only present we're giving you. Cause now it's an all out war. And uh, yeah, uh, I have no idea. I mean, it gets hairy from here. It really does. Uh, yeah, and it gets harder. Exactly. In fact, I would like to be controversial. If you guys wouldn't mind letting me be controversial for a second, oh, I'm going to toss out. A, <laughs> how could you? Right. People, only listen to this for the controversies. Uh, by the way, uh, the fan fiction you guys have been writing about me and Taryn, it's hot. Keep it up. But uh, all I can say... What? Uh, the only thing... He doesn't is, show that to you. Apparently. In terms of number five... Don't in, do that. In terms of number five <laughs> out of seven, my pick... And, th- and again, it might be controversial. I think it's very well rounded out. Our Endless Number Days. That is what I would say in our number five slot. Yes, it is the album that has Naked As We Came. But Jesus Christ, this is this is a fucking snoozer of an album, and I mean, and the thing is, I understand the you know propulsiveness of his songwriting and the fact that he has a little bit more production budget now. So, but it's basically, if you ignore all the fancy production stuff, it's basically a sequel to Creek Drink the Cradle. And there are moments on here that actually do work. Actually, free until they cut me down. I actually kind of dig a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But honestly, Radio War. Oh my God, I will be happy if I live my life never hearing that snooze of a song. Yeah, again. no, I would. Say- say that radio war is probably uh, and i you asked me earlier what i was gonna say for worst Mm -hmm. song and i think it has to be radio war it's the only song that he has where i'm just like what were you thinking (laughs) like it's just so (laughs) but like i I don't know because the rest of that album see love and some verses is one of my favorite songs really okay yeah i love it it's it's simple, it's beautiful, it is well, it's multifunctional in a lot of ways. And I think I think that Love and Some Verses, Sunset Soon Forgotten, and Naked As We Came mm-hmm. are like the perfect examples of why he needed to go hi-fi. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. if you, because they have such a full... What's Lushness the, or what's fidelity? The, um, no, the individual notes. What is that called? Staccato? Oh, arpeggio. Oh, yeah. They have such a full, like, because he's, he's finger-plucking the guitar lines, and he was doing that a lot on Creek Drank the Cradle, mm-hmm. but because he has the lo-fi, they ring so much fuller, mm-hmm. and so the, the chords form even though the notes are being hit one at a time. Yeah. And so even though they are pretty simple songs uh, ornamentation-wise, besides, like, he does, like, the whole verse string hook verse instead of, in like, in lieu of a chorus mm-hmm. thing on all of these. Except on Naked As It Became, that's a chorus. But yeah. Indie rock chorus. But, yeah, just, I, I, I would totally agree. Those three songs are up there among my favorites. And I would say, I would add Cinder and Smoke to that. Yeah. Because that's, again, that's, like, the early sides of his, like, anxious right, yeah. paranoia thing. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, on the other hand, I would kind of agree with Evan in that this has, the second half is a bit of a snooze. Like, you get Fever to... Fever Dreams? Yeah. Fever Dreams is like, eh, and I, Passing Afternoon doesn't really do it for me. 
Um, Salem, South Georgia has actually grown on me a lot. I was just going to say that. That's probably the Um, song that's grown on me the most. I mean, just because it's also one of the, I'm not going to say few songs, especially early on. He has a lot of songs that are more coherent lyrically, whereas later it just, we're not totally sure. I contest that. There's just a lot of imagery happening later in his career. And the lyrics aren't necessarily what it's about. It's just about the yeah. the mood that he's yeah, building. Yeah, but yeah. like I would say on Sodom South Georgia, it's like some of his most heartbreaking lyrics. Yeah. Can we talk about, by the way, just since we have to talk about it at some point, Sam Beam as lyricist. Uh, <laughs> earlier in Taryn and I were talking during Research Week, and Taryn had a very interesting analogy of how to describe his lyrical worldview, which is like, do you like Stevie Nicks? Because really, when you think, he's kind of the Stevie Nicks of the indie folk scene, if you think about it. Lots of really specific, really pretty imagery mm-hmm. that it sounds great and is presented well, but when you look at a sheet of lyrics there, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about eight out of nine times? Yeah. yeah I mean, actually, though. Yes. I mean, um, and my favorite quote about his lyrics is my friend in college. She was like, it's either really deep or just utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I think sometimes it's both. Because, like, right. when, we, when we get to Woman King, like... It sounds like utter nonsense, but in the in the context to, of the, the album, in the yeah. context of the album, and in the context of my life at the time that it came out, mm-hmm. it actually has a lot of meaning. So it's like, okay, is that is he just taking these things, or does he like actually know the meaning beneath them? You can't always tell. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like there are times when like a lyric or something will just pop out at you at some point too, but it just feels very kind of free associated. But again. Presented well. I always think back of the uh, uh, Wilco on their album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. The opening line of that is, "I'm an American aquarium drinker. I assassin down the boulevard." And the whole reason Jeff Tweedy says, "I just I was playing around with sounds. I like the sounds of that. Like they weren't actual words, but for whatever reason, it has its own weird internal logic as to like why that kind of works." And I feel like it's the same thing with Mm -hmm. a lot of what Sam Beam does. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there are a lot of lyricists who. Work in surrealistic well, elements. They work in, not just work in surreal, surrealistic elements, but write the melody just making nonsense sounds. Yeah. And then find the words that like, fit yeah. to that sound. Like Michael Jackson. Well, like Michael Jackson, like Sarah Bartol of Fantagram, like Bon Iver. Like, there are a lot of lyricists who, it's gorgeous, but when you string it all together, you're like, this is not totally related. And the other thing, I think, as far as Sam Beam and his his lyrics that made more sense to me when I saw him live and mm-hmm. you hear his drawl. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, like, suddenly you hear his drawl and you're like, oh, you make so much more sense now. Yeah. Um, but he has that Southern Gothic mm-hmm. going on. And the thing about Southern Gothic is it doesn't always make sense. Right. But it is deep and spiritual. Right. Like, it right. Has but it's, it's also in- nonsense. It has right. its own <laughs> internal logic almost. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, like... At certain points, part of why it feels so spiritual is because it is in the real world. It's nonsense, so it feels like yeah, you're, like we've got it's, a different plane it's not a, right. It's not about like the reality. It's about building a mythos, mm-hmm. and that's why this song gives you this emotion. Is mm-hmm. not just the instrumentation. Yeah. It's because it it puts you into. It's it's almost more like world building than storytelling sometimes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's good. And it's a world that doesn't have to make sense, but as right. long as he's following his own internal logic on that song. I'm, think, yeah. I'm yeah. thinking of the first season of True Detective. Did you guys watch that? <laughs> yes. Okay, I fucking love the first season of True Detective. Oh yeah, everyone does. Be- 
No, not everyone no, does. I, no, you know, unlike, unlike the second season, which everyone hates. Well, right, know. okay. But I'm the reason I'm thinking of it is, again, it's that weird southern gothic world building kind of mythos where you're like this makes no sense and yet all the sense yeah. in the world and like uh, you know and I feel like that's how iron and wine is for me you know it's like this makes no sense and yet all the sense like in that show Matthew McConaughey's character got like a lot like oh you're just babbling nonsense and I was like every word he said made sense to me should I be worried about that <laughs> but I think it's because I went there with them I went to yeah. that other world and I'm very willing to do that with Sam Beam and also on uh, a little known fact Sam Beam is also the Yellow King oh, uh, but <laughs> uh, so but that being said I threw out my pick for number four uh, number five for uh, Arlinda's number's days does anyone have a counter um I just want to know why the, you'd rank the tra- the creek drink the cradle higher. Oh, happily, uh, the creek drink. I mean, admittedly, the, for what my introduction to Iron and Wine was, I think what many people's would be either you know like some people would be NPR or what have you or blog of sphere, and mine was of course college. Uh, you know, because then it's very much a high college school. album. High school, baby! She's <laughs> 30. Curve. She's 30. <laughs> uh, so, but the thing is, on that one there, it's just, I, there's, it's, the beauty of that album, unlike, I feel like, because our endless number of days, there's a lot of finger-picking, there's a lot of instrumentation, it's kind mm-hmm. of overflowing, still very soft-spoken, but the thing I love about Cream Drink the Cradle is the fact that there's just small elements over here. It's a very melodically simple album, but he just builds up these Beautiful, gorgeous melodies. Yeah. Very simple and small additions, like a little banjo coming in. You know, like it's a very quiet but beautiful like things. And so the thing is that like lyrically, there's not a lot uh, of yeah. huge difference between the albums. But for some reason, the presentation of this one, the fact that it's so stripped down and so it's so much more clear. I didn't need a lot of the kind of excess instrumentation and bonus finger picking that you find on Arlinda's Numbers Days because I felt like at the core of his songwriting, he presented his ideas crazy as they are sometimes uh-huh. on the lyrical front in a very beautifully simplistic manner. And it also is a lo-fi album that makes you of its lo-fi. Yes. You have yes. that intimacy of being it, in someone's like, bedroom. It almost needs to be lo-fi. Right. Yeah. Um, and when we talk about great songs on here, where to fucking start? Oh my god. I mean, aside from, of course, uh, Lion's Mane as an opener. Uh, mm. Just this, you know, kind of quietly gorgeous thing. Uh, Upward Over the Mountain, though, is might be one of my like, that's top an, five. Yeah, I would also say it's and, in my yeah. top and five. And then also, um, I love Southern Anthem. That's another one that's grown on me over time. Really? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, same, same. Um, but even more than Southern Anthem, I mean, this was an album, I, I've been a fan of him probably since, like, 2005-ish. I think you yeah. introduced me to Woman King when that came out. Yeah. And, You've never been a fan um, of this album. Right, and I've never been a fan of Creature in the Cradle because in my mind it wasn't why I was coming to Iron and Wine. Mm-hmm. I was into Woman King and then when Shepherd's Dog came out, you were into I mean, that. that was that's a transformational album for me. Yes. Um and so when I then went back and was like Creek Drink the Cradle, I was like Okay, you, you know, upward over the mountain. Fun. Obviously, right, yeah. like that's a phenomenal song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I would also say, like, faded from the winter. I've always had a, a big soft spot for. But this week, listening to this album in the context of his career, yeah, Lion's Mane totally came into focus mm-hmm. for me. I'd say Bird Stealing Bread. Yeah. Like just over the course of this week has like 
gone from not a blip on the radar to maybe in my top 10 favorite right. Iron Man Honestly, songs. for me this week, uh, the Rooster Moans never did anything for me. Mm-hmm. But then when he's talking about this eternal struggle of like, you know, you know like you know, you're singing to the sun because that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Like there's kind of like the Sisyphusian like lack of hope of like trapped in a routine to it where it's like this beautiful simple song where it's like, fuck, there's actually like something there. to this. Yeah. yeah. And I also love that he already has a full sense of harmony on mm-hmm. this album. Yes. Like, he uses full three-part harmony on quite a few songs, notably Promise What You Will, which is another one that totally came into focus for me this week. I love that, like, bent, guitar, like, high guitar line that's mm-hmm. really the hook. Like, yeah. that... Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's just this perfect little, like, just over two minutes... Um, I just, I think it's brilliant. And again, it's so striking how strong his sense of melody was, even this early. And then also listening to like archive, the archive series from this era, it's another 16 songs. Like it really shows that he had a huge selection of songs to pull from and he picked the best for this record. Yeah. But after saying all of that, I do also want to say these albums are totally fucking tied for me. Yes. Like, I have no... I don't... I, like, really don't have a feeling either way. Um, I'm almost there. I think what I'm realizing is Our Endless Number Days has a lot of my favorite standalone songs, Mm -hmm. but Creek Drink the Cradle is such an album. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. not that Endless Numbers Days is not, but again, it's a lot more standalone songs. I mean, it's a great it's a great group of songs, but The Creek Drink to Cradle is an album. And I think that's sometimes why it gets passed over. Mm-hmm. Because it's one it's, of those, you know, you know when sometimes you like you you get an album from a, an artist and you just listen to it and like for the first several listeners you don't know the titles of any of the songs because mm-hmm. it's just an album you're just experiencing yeah. the album and yeah. you're like oh yeah that's what that one's called like right. four years later because you just like no you just the album just like becomes a part of you and i think that creature Inc. the cradle really um accomplishes that and i think for that reason i might rank it above our endless number dates all yeah. right i think i uh second that okay well guess what this is the easiest podcast we've ever done of all time. <laughs> so let's just re- briefly recap uh, what we got here. So at number seven, we have Ghost on Ghost and Well Deserved. Number six, we have The Sea and the Rhythm EP. Number five, we have Our Endless Number Days. And at number four, The Creature at the Cradle. But now, oh, guess what? I know it was your birthday, and I'm sorry we have to ruin it for you right now. <laughs> because we are down to uh, three albums right in line with each other. The Woman King EP from 2005, The Shepherd's Dog from 2007, and Kiss Each Other Clean from 2011. So You can't ruin my birthday because I get to talk about all three of the albums. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what order they happen <laughs> because I talk about In them. In that case, number one three-way tie. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Uh, so good. Uh, so Birthday Girl, Cradle. Riley, dear yeah. guest, music lover and fan. Uh, now we have to throw this at you. We have to throw this at you. And I'm sorry, it's not an enviable task. <laughs> she's, she's, she's recoiling as if I'm throwing something <laughs> at her. As well she should. <laughs> Number three. What would you nominate? Alright, I have a feeling Terrence is not going to agree with me on this one. Oh, <laughs> it's hard. Shit. But I, I'm going to put Shepherd's Dog at three. Because <laughs> I know. No. Um, I'm silently shaking my head I, in a very small, knew, fast motion. I knew that you were going to do that, but here's the thing. Shepherd's Dog was transformational for you. Woman King was transformational for me. 
it beats it, and Kiss Each Other Clean is one of my top ten albums of all time. So oh oh, <laughs> we're gonna have a de- we're gonna have a debate. All right, now real quick before we do anything else, let's talk a little bit about Shepherd's Dog. So I mean, go ahead and talk about why you would put this here. Because keep in mind, it's still number three out of seven. This right. is, it ain't small pickings. Yes, but walk us through this album a little bit. Uh, through Shepherd's Dog specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because there's a lot. Because here's the thing. He discovered color in such a fascinating way on this one. And admittedly, again, this is where we talk about bridging and gateways. The Calexico EP It's just like, oh shit, Sandbeam, you could do shit with horns. And I think that the. I mean, he first started finding and moving outside of his comfort zone on Woman King. Right. And then, you know, six months later using a full band and using all of these extra instruments, he was like, oh, I don't have to be just guitar guy or even to the next step Mm -hmm. on Woman King. It's basically just guitar and occasionally some percussion. Yeah. You know, and obviously he's used like, you know, a single fiddle or a banjo before, but it's never been full instrumentation. And then he did that on In the Rains and then... Yeah. Full blown on Shepherd's Dog. Yeah, yeah, but the thing about Shepherd's Dog is that there's just so many unique turns that, and on yes. paper, sound crazy, but then actually makes sense. Carousel with his distorted vocals and mm-hmm. lo fi picking, like, that's pure Led Zeppelin right there. That mm-hmm. is absolutely, like, crazy, like, distorted vocals and things like that. Like, and you're just like, it doesn't go full rock, mind you, but I'm like, okay. And, uh, and that works. Yeah, and Carousel's not, like, my favorite, favorite song. Correct, on the album, yeah. But, but it's up there, yeah. and I love the. The bridge where it's just like, oh, 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 yeah. oh, <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's, I feel like the first time he finds that like 70s backing vocal yeah. vibe yeah. that then he uses so well on the two albums after this. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I just, I mean, I think that Pagan Angel in a Borrowed Car is like probably one of the songs I've listened to the most times in my entire life. Like it's just, it. I love that it starts with the guitar line, like, mm-hmm. almost like someone unplugged the amp, and then it, you know... It builds and grows. In a, in just, like, it just... And then it comes in, and it's the full burst of color. Like, yeah. it's not just guitars. It's There's, like, reverb happening in the background, and there's percussion, and there's, like, very soft, gentle ooze in the backing track, mm-hmm. and it just, like... The album it, it just... It's such a, a statement of, like, this is what you're getting into. Like, yeah. this is not the iron and wine of yesteryear. Yeah. And I think that's best and exemplified. And somehow it still is. Right. Yes. I, mean, I, I mean, what's so great about both of these albums is that he finds that color. He sings a little... More with force. more confidence. A little yes. more confidence, a little more force. Um, he's like... Heck yeah, I'm, I'm a musician. I don't know why I just didn't swear, but whatever. Um, what the heck? He's, like, yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm recording music. It's what I'm doing now. You know, whereas on the first ones, he's just kind of like, yeah, it's cool that this is working out, you know? Right, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he still has that very, like, soft, kind of world-building, lyrical core mm-hmm. that we love from his first albums. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, and the, the one thing about this is that even though it's still very much him, it's still very much new, who would have ever thought he would do a fucking song like The Devil Never Sleeps? Like this rollicking piano yeah, it, rock right? number. It comes in with, like, it's it's yeah. like this, like, jazz piano <laughs> trail, and then, <laughs> and it just, like, it fucking it goes. It shuffles, it yeah. rocks, and it and rolls, yeah. Y- you said this earlier, and I, I didn't, I hadn't ever realized how true this is. It's, like, one of the only songs in his discography 
that is short enough and amazing enough that you're like, I want to play that again. I wish this like, was longer. I wish yeah. this was a, a minute song. longer, you yeah. know, and... But, and I rarely say that about songs just in general. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the fact like it just leaves you wanting more, I'm just like, oh my god, man, where, where have you been hiding this part yeah. of you for and, so long? Yeah. And I mean, uh, totally different, but also similar, Boy With A Coin, there's mm-hmm. not another song like that. Yeah. Right, at for, all ever. At all ever. And the thing that's amazing, it's just for, this... At all ever. It's one guitar riff over and over and over again, aside from, like, that post-chorus. And, like, yeah, it's, it's just, such like, a complex guitar And the yeah. thing about Boy With A Coin that I didn't realize right away, it's also his sexiest song. Ooh! So, mm. here's the thing. That's totally true. It's totally true. He has some sexy songs off Kiss Each Other Claim, though. Well, that yeah, that's true. That's You're right, you're right. But I never thought about, like, Boy With A Coin as, like, a sexy song, but I um, I had a partner, and we used to trade sexy songs of the day back and forth, and one day, <laughs> her song was Boy With A Coin, and I was like, what? And then I listened to it, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. When it's especially yes. funny, because <laughs> like, it's like, it's yeah. not, and the lyrics the video, are not sexy. It's a flamenco dancer, yeah. right. like, and then you get that, like, it's just, it's really... I love, I, yeah, I, I, still, love I still love that, that kind of right. warped, Again, it's, it's that warped totally slide guitar full scores, that... Yeah. I am um, like it's just musically ugh. and yes, and boy with a coin I recently was just for the hell of it making a playlist of like ranking my favorite songs of all time all which time. is very difficult and yeah. also it's and very terrible way too long also very terrible <laughs> but like boy with a coin is like in the top 30 yeah. like it's just it's good phenomenal it's and it good. it it's another one where um it's just like he just has verses mm-hmm. and then it's just like a, a hey instead mm-hmm. of a chorus yeah. and I just I yeah anyway now that but, being said that being said Karita's putting it at number three and spoiler alert I'm inclined to agree with her but I have so much more to say <laughs> I, I, I know I know I know I think we're gonna have to finish talking about this and then finish talking about one king before we can agree on which. Well, no, I think we're gonna have to talk about all three before we. Uh, yeah, right, we're just right. totally okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about Shepard's dog. Taryn has a lot to say. I have so much to say. Okay. I mean, this this is like in my top. I think it's like my third favorite album of all time. I'd say like mm-hmm. this is it's definitely the one I associate with you. It's yeah. just, I mean. And it's the other thing is that I, I mean I I understand I'm probably biased. It came out in 2007, which is like the when year you discovered music. <laughs> a couple of years after, but still very early. And and I've listened like I'd say my least favorite song on here is Wolves, Song of the Shepherd's Dog. I, and I have yeah. probably listened to that song 50 times. Right, and that's like, a song that I'll find myself singing when I haven't yeah. heard it in a month. Yeah. And I'm just it's just like and there it, all and it's just sudden. like it's, I don't think that was Love Song of the Buzzard though. No, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> what? <Is> he, <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking Taryn's soul right now. Guys, I know like, this. just, I mean, for me, there's not even, like, a weak song on here. Like, like I mean, I would the, agree with you on that. Like, you, I would say probably the ones that didn't connect with me are, like, White Tooth Man, Innocent Bones, and Peace, Peace Beneath the City. But even they all have, I like... I love Peace Beneath the City. Right? They all have, like, such a, yeah. like, a distinct. soothing... And a, right, they all have such a distinct sound. And I think probably why I didn't connect with them at first is that they're not the classic, like... Old guitar school. Sam yeah. Beam. Right. Um, Innocent Bones almost has this like uh, Caribbean vibe to uh-huh. it, and then Peace Beneath, beneath the City is yeah. like this. 
dour, dark. It's, it's almost like, like cinematic. There's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. bit cinematic yeah. and it's droning and it's mm-hmm. a song for the bodies buried by the interstate. Yeah. Like, it's Ugh. really yeah. dark and gritty. And when we're talking about the art of putting an album together, that run of Resurrection Fern, Boy of the Coin, The Devil Never Sleeps, and Peace Beneath the City is like solid. Mm-hmm. Just right. I, that the ordering, like especially Peace Beneath the City, I think following The Devil Never Sleeps, you're mm-hmm. again, it's just this deep. You've gotten in it, right? Because The Devil Never <laughs> Sleeps, it, like, is it's starting you on this journey of like the. It's it's kind of sinister, but it's in a it's in a major key and it's boppy and it's got right, that like yeah. upbeat piano and then peace beneath the city is like by the way and I just I'm really surprised you don't like love song of the buzzard because that's again I think see the I again I know I'm biased but I I just can't let this go at number three it has I would say four out of my favorite seven she- or Iron and Wine songs Shepard like Collins. it's just. Pagan Angel in the Borrowed Car, Love Song of the Buzzard, Boy with the Coin and Devil Never Sleeps. Like it he just he hits the perfect sweet spot of the like lush instrumentation, the southern gothic imagery, and just hitting you in that emotional core mm-hmm. here. And let's talk about the vampire in the room. Flightless bird in American house. <laughs> 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 you guys are really I was um, waiting for that segue. Um, I didn't know where I was going. Uh, but no, because I loved, I loved that song. That song. And loved, I loved past we're both tense. past yeah. tense. Loved past tense. But we're better about it now. As, and as for far, good reason. For, I mean, as far as like being a, mu- a musician, the fact that he accomplished writing a song that still spoke to us in our love of his sweet southern gothic mm-hmm. like very lyrical, not young adult romance novel. We went from southern gothic speaking to straight of, up goth. Speaking of like incredible vocal arrangements and too. just gorgeous song and the fact that you know somebody heard it and was like this song is so beautiful we got to put it in this movie and i was like you know no they don't deserve it they don't get it fine but the fact that, that he accomplished writing something that kind of crossed that bridge no matter how sad we are about it i think is worth yeah noting yeah <laughs> you yeah. Know? But being, yeah but that being <laughs> said though at the same time as great as the breakthrough is can we talk about how without any of these break without this album in general, he would not have been able to make something like Kiss Each Other Clean. And Kiss Each Other Clean, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with going into this week, and that album just fucking knocked me the fuck out. Me too. It is just it is just radiant. I'm it is and here's sure. the thing, I, I will even tell you I'm telling I'm telling you right <laughs> now that if we want to talk about poor Ellen's, like, there's parts of Shepherd's... I think I did too, though, actually. Yeah, there's parts of Shepherd Dog I don't like, but fuck that fucking slide whistle breakdown on Rabbit Will Run. Fuck that noise. I hated that. But that being Beep, said... Boop, boop, boop. I fucking love it! I just love everything about that Because I really feel like he... Like, but if you hear, like, what he does with these, like, not just vocal arrangements, but these massive choirs of backing vocals that he has, that are, and because, like, he's structuring his songs, walking outside, like, honestly, yeah. oh, walking, for, walking far from home, when I hear that like lyrically and structurally it actually fucking sounds like I know what like... your problem is with it but... yeah. no. what do you think my problem is with it? well I mean because I do feel like it's fucking just like beautiful and also gets almost like Tupac? cartoonish at sometimes. yes 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 and I have this I have the, the same problem with 
walking far from home that I have with your fake name is good enough for me mm-hmm. is that I love, love, love the production on both of them. Mm-hmm. I think that in both cases, there's a couple, like on walking far from home, the first time, it, like all of the instruments drop out and he just has that like four part harmony, like Ooh. distorted background vocal. That's just like, ah, and like, it's so striking. And, and I, I appreciate walking far from home because it starts and, there's a heavy filter on his vocal and there's no backing track at all. And then it slowly evolves. Like it really feels like it's taking you on a journey. And I just don't like the melody. I don't like the melody. And for a single melody that repeats for an entire, almost five minute song, that's a huge problem. And the same thing happens on your fake name is good enough for me that I I like, I like the verse chorus that makes up the first half Mm -hmm. of it. But then I, I over this, like, the second more than half of it is just a repeat. It's just it just repeats but the then, same oh, thing. I mean, but over I mean, and listen. Even that being said, Glad Man singing oh, is such a stunning goddamn number. So here's here's the thing I will say about again, love kiss each other clean. I would be okay if your fake name is good enough for me. Just wasn't on it. Yeah. Yeah, but also he stuck it at the end. So exactly. But then also, then, but then you also have a fucking song like uh, "Big Burn and Big Burn Hand," which is basically like it starts. It's like some, it's almost like the kind of this like white boy funk number that kind yeah. of comes in. But then you have these crazy jazz horns going all over the place, it, and then just kind of random <laughs> biblical lyrical. It's almost like his hedonistic yes. album. After it's this very, kind of like, it's, it's it's not biblical. It's straight up polytheistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's about the goddess of love and the goddess of war and how they are. The lion and the lamb are fucking in the back. Right. I mean I do I do appreciate on that song how each each verse ends with an image of the lion and the lamb and how they are like the lion and lamb are responding because of the influence that these gods are having yes. on the world. Like yes. I really that's probably one of my favorite like world building songs that mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also not like my favorite song. Oh, like yeah, I'd say musically I don't I'm not drawn back to it a ton. The songs that I Love, 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 love on this album are Half Moon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that like do up, ba da Yes. And the <laughs> and just and I, and the way that um, you know, it's it's the second chorus instead of just doing its thing. He he takes it all the way up into falsetto, mm. and especially at this point in his career, his falsetto is so beautiful. Oh, he sounds better singing on this album than any other album in his yeah, entire I career. Mean, he, he just, he and sounds... I think that's my biggest thing about this album, like, weak, strong moments aside, ultimately, more than this one, I talk about this being his hedonistic album, and he, admittedly, he is an agnostic. He grew up, you know, a Bible boy, and then he kind of, like, you know, moved away from that, but there's still a lot of biblical imagery that clearly well, and he also much of has works. said that he doesn't believe in Christianity, but he... He's agnostic specifically because he Not thinks atheistic. there's something out there. Yeah. Right. right. But and every every culture Which is part of, feels that him. thing yeah. and, That's in his and calls it something like, different. Yeah. 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 But the thing about Kiss Each Other Clean, the reason why it speaks so much to me is that even in the weaker moments, he sounds like he is having so much goddamn fun yes. putting this album together. And the thing is that like even Shepard's Dog, it very much was uh, much more formal. It was the big prop breakthrough that needed to happen, but Kiss Each Other Clean is just it revels in the colors and text and the crazy 70s synth keyboard things that he's able yeah. to find and rock together and like it just coheres together and that's why like even the like if we want to talk about pure artistic songwriting quality I would even go as far as say it may not be his best but it's the album I will come back to time and time and time yes. again and that's not something I always knew about this album I didn't know how 
exciting it was listening to it all the way straight through. So, yeah, I that's the thing. It is an album. Mm-hmm. Um, there are standout songs. You can take the songs out from it. Mm-hmm. Now, the first, <laughs> now, when I first heard this album, I was super excited for it. And I didn't just dis- no. I loved it. Oh, I, yeah, I no, seriously I, I think I listened it to it beginning to end three times in a row the day I bought it. Yeah. Like I'm not even, and and within the first week of listening to it, I was like, I'm gonna write a show that just is this album. I have an enti- and we have another album like this. I know it doesn't happen <laughs> all the time. I have an entire like dance story that goes on in my head when I listen to this album. That I mean, so it inspired that to me, and I feel like you know. In a lot of ways, I've put some of that into it that's maybe not there for other people, and that's okay. But, like, I really feel like there's, like, the theme and the story just really running through it. And I think that's also why I kind of forgive some of the things that you don't like about the opener and the closer, because to me, they feel like an opening and a closing number of a show. Yes. No, they they do. No, I... They are very striking. Yeah. Opener and closer. I just... Yeah, I just don't... Love As individual them. songs, they're not necessarily um, yeah. amazing, but again, I, but just... I don't. I, you can't say that this is more of an album album than fucking Shepherd's Dog. I mean, Shepherd's Dog is a continuous mix. I do. For the I most honestly, part. I do agree with that, and I do love yes. that about the production. Is that like the songs? Like, there's little elements that bleed over into the next one, and then they and start you say, to pick up. Yeah. You say that he's having a lot of fun on Kiss Each Other Clean, which I again I agree with. But on Shepherd's Dog, he's not just having fun. He's like. It's like he has a secret. Like, you can hear that he... Like, there's more going on behind the scenes for that with that album. Yeah, Kiss and... Each Other Clean's more fun. But uh, that being said, though, that being said, we're talking about... <laughs> Tara's very upset, but it's okay. We're talking about it, but let's talk about The Vagina in the Room. <laughs> the Woman King EP. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby Evers. No, that's more like, wow. Uh, but let's talk about it because now, which one was your first one? Because it looks like you discovered Iron and Iron through the Woman King EP. What is the discovery? Well, I didn't know that Karita had been listening to him for that long. I almost wonder if I like heard him around the house. Yeah, you might have. I don't know. I was trying to think of this, and I do think that Garden State was my introduction to him with. Well, it was with many. Of I mean, Great 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 yeah. But that's two thousand three. Uh huh. I mm-hmm. looked it up before we started because I wanted to know. <laughs> Um, he recorded so, it before that album even came out, by the way. He, I guess he heard, like, some demo or something like yeah, that, too, which is yeah, crazy. It, yeah, they, like, yeah, it, like, and that's why I know it was high school, because I remember reading about that specifically in, like, you know, one of our high school student papers or something. Sure. Um, and that's when I started listening to him. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know that I loved him in the way that I love him now in his music until Woman King. Because Woman King came along at a time in my life when I had just rejected the Christianity I grew up with mm-hmm. in favor of exploring the feminine divine, which is what this album is it's all about. all about. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Actually, though. So, like, what Woman King means to me is, like, my junior year of college having, throwing new moon parties and, like, just listening. It came, it, this came right after the year that I only listened to female artists. Yeah. Woman King came out, so it was one of the first when I was like, all right, guys can be okay, too, I guess. Um, and so, like, so for me, I, it has a lot. It was a, a lot of meaning for me. Um, but those songs hold true going back to them. That said, I do have favorites, 
but I don't know how many of them jump out in the way that Songs from Shepherd's Dog do. Right. I will give you that. But that being said, I mean, as in terms of his chronology, especially coming after uh, Our Endless Number of Days, this, like, he discovered rhythm in a way that was just Yeah, I mean, when new. you, when, you know, you have Our Endless Number of Days, and this is the, the following year. I think it was released less than a year later. Yeah. And it opens with the clacking drumsticks of Woman King, like... And and there's yeah, it's like a very it's almost like a like a marching song. Yeah. And it has this presence that you have not this heard darkness, before. This undercurrent. Yeah. yeah. It's this strength. It, yes, the strength. That's really what it, it yeah. had. And and then that strength, even on the even on the like more acoustic, beautiful songs on this mm-hmm. album, I feel like that strength just carries through. Yeah. Like honestly, another one of my like favorite songs of all time is Grace My Stables. Lady's House. Oh, okay. Um, Grace Stables also. I really like Grace Stables. Um, My Lady's House for me, and this is another like definitely personal anecdote that gives it a little more meaning. But I made this mix in like. I think senior year of high school that I just called baby making. And I, I was like, you know, it had like Glory Box by Portishead and oh, wow, it had yeah. like frickin' the Chris Isaac song. and Wicked like games. Yeah. And just like a lot of yeah. like, and I gave it, I gave it to a couple of my friends and, and, they and I included, they I included my babies. lady's house on there and also like dancing by Eliza. Anyway, moving on. Then uh, my friend Alyssa came back to me and said that, like, there was this guy that she had been seeing and she used to put on that mix CD because it was perfect mm-hmm. for the occasion. And or not um, she said that, like, they would, like, finish round one and it was always right before My Lady's House came on. And then they would, like, sit in bed and sing it to each other. Oh, my God. And then Jesus. she, like, couldn't listen to that mix CD anymore after they broke up. <laughs> and because and I was like, shit, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I made a Falling in Love album. <laughs> like, I totally did that, though. I did that to you. Um, but, no. So, and so, My Lady's House, and I haven't said this previously, but or in, just in general, across his whole discography, part of why I love Iron and Wine so much is that I love finding the third missing harmony. And I <laughs> yeah. do that a ton on this EP specifically. Does that with vacuum cleaners too, so. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I, t- I mean, used to do that. Did I harmonize with the vacuum cleaner? You 100% harmonize with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you didn't think we could hear you, but we could. <laughs> And Sam would use the riding mower at Betty's house and make dry race car noises because he didn't think we could hear him. Right, and yeah. we could. We could. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's our mini no, I thought that was a story that like people knew. <laughs> no, that's I love that. Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> our hundreds of thousands um, of listeners now know it too. I also, I mean, this this is album or this EP rather is it's just so fucking solid. Like, yeah. I'd say probably my least favorite song on there, and this is gonna surprise some people, is "Freedom Hangs Like Heaven." But even that is like. A beautiful song, right? And then I even can... on the ground oh, is yeah. just like again th- this 
darkness that you haven't found before. That that song is straight up sinister, which makes sense. It's about Lilith, who mm-hmm. is a sinister and ev- figure. And every one of these songs is about a biblical figure, a female biblical figure in some form mm-hmm. or another. Yeah. Maybe loosely, but certainly. And, and about the mythos. In, in a very Sandbeam kind of way, the mythos that has spread from those female figures. Right, because it, figures. because a lot of these figures have, yeah, they have, they a, have a mythos own. surrounding them that is not in the Bible. Yes. Like, Lilith has a whole cult, you know, yes, right. like, and centuries yeah. of, like, worship from feminists and witches yeah. and yeah. etc. And also, she's uh, often credited as, like, the first vampire and shit like that. So like also Cult of Lilith is my new rock band, FYI. Alright. I bet that exists soon. already. I'm Prob- just probably probably. Um, Taylor and I are starting a rock band called Acid Giraffes, just so you know. <laughs> <Continuing>. <laughs> We're learning so much about each other guys. Try talking first. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher. No, but I also love I mean also on this EP he hits that that um on Grey Stables. He yeah. hits that like sinister it's it's a lot minor it's, key almost it's yeah. it's not quite as aggressive i mean evening on the ground is aggressive, aggressive. Yes. but it's gray a- stables is a lot more just like uneasy yeah. you know yeah and i again i think that's this the solidness of this album and the way that it hit me when it hit me in my life but that like really rings true is that he does really get the reasons that people worship these figures mm-hmm. the, um and the like the the darkness and the sexuality and the kind of danger, but how that's still like beautiful and life giving mm-hmm. at the same time. I think he really captures that in every song in a different way. Um, yeah. And I think also evening on the ground, it, it like surprises me every time. Right. I forget you know? how much I like it. Yeah. Because I all, I almost always listen to this album just as an album because it's, only six, six songs. Yeah. Six songs. Right. It's like okay. 23 minutes yeah. or something yeah. like that. Right. And so I'm never like, I just want to listen to Woman King and then I'm going to turn it off. You know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. like, um, yeah. And every time it's like, oh, yeah, this song. It, I mean, the moment yeah, it well, starts when it's just boom, like, you're like, oh, God, yeah. So that being said, though, we've been talking about Iron and Wine for one hour. Oh, God, really? And we have three releases left to rank. So listen here. I think we've all stated our preferences and our ideas. I'm going to toss a controversial thing out here. I think because of where some of our favorites line. And it's again, we're down to three very good albums, and make no mistake, this is a tight-ass race. I want the listener to know. three-way tied. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we did. Exactly. So can we, at least for the sake of our argument, because we always do have to do a determination, number three, Woman King. You oh no no I was no I was just putting that there. Can we all agree number three, Woman King? I don't think so. I, no, no, I think you need to finish with the whole ranking. Okay. What's your proposal? We're, we're each gonna give our top three and then exactly because I feel like I feel like it would be Woman King number three, number two Shepherd's Dog, number one Kiss Each Other Clean. But Taryn would say I would say Shepherd's Dog number one, Woman King number two, Kiss Each Other Clean number three. And Karita would say I would say <laughs> Woman King number one. Uh, no, actually, I would put Kiss Each Other Clean at number one, mm-hmm. also. Or, I would have coming into this. <laughs> so, I, so number one, Kiss Each Other Clean, number two, Woman King, number three, Shepherd's Dog. Ooh. However, after this conversation, Uh-oh. I do think I would probably put, put Kiss Each Other Clean at number three. <sighs> but I was, and, um, and I would then Woman King one and Shepherd's Dog two. <laughs> Taryn. So we all ranked them completely differently. Completely right? differently. Can we take a 
like two minute break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just oh, it's so. I mean, right? We're, we're dealing no, with quality. With three albums, right. I, we can't find a happy medium there. So um, here, but here that being said. There's a couple factors going on here. Now, I think I think for you listeners at home, especially if you're wondering what the ultimate ranking is, I think we've debated thoroughly enough. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that can make their own determinations. I think there's clearly a lot of favoritism in play because, as you can tell, our panel has very strong feelings. <laughs> and very personal very connections. Very personal connections yeah. with these. Uh, if uh, Just that being said, if I were to toss it out there... To, as a best, the best compromise we're going to get out of this, mm-hmm. I would actually go ahead and throw my vote behind Karita's ranking of three kiss, two shepherd, one woman. One. Yeah, I will. I can. Yeah. Okay. I can support that. Okay. And and listen, as you can clearly tell, that is a hard fought battle. But let's go ahead, lock it in. Number seven on our list is Ghost on Ghost. Number six is the Sea and the Rhythm EP. Number five is our Endless Number Days. Number four is the Creek Drink the Cradle. Number three is Kiss Each Other Clean. Number two is the Shepherd's Dog. And the number one Iron and Wine album is Archive Series, Volume 2 and 3 on vinyl. Now a record store day. I'm kidding. No, it's number one is the Woman King EP. But as you can clearly tell, guys, and even though we did the ranking, we have a lot more to say and that is exactly what the happy hour mini episode is for as this... we mentioned earlier even including the eps we have discussed exactly half of his release <laughs> material right so there's so much to say exactly god that was the most tense ring <laughs> well and it's so funny because time. because seven through four we were like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. and then oh man all right and it was there but hey listen i'm really happy with what we did uh and i really recommend you get listen to our happy hour minnesota EP, uh, episode coming right after this in the meantime though taryn thank our you happy hour ep it's our happy hour <laughs> ep happy hour it is an ep you like you basically. might count it as an episode you might not <laughs> who knows in, in your ranking i don't know we'll see <laughs> Uh, but that being said, uh, I think we can all sing happy birthday to Deedles. Oh, yeah, let's do it. In between uh, episodes. Bye. Oh, <laughs> that was such a letdown. Letdown. Anyway, sorry. Wow, okay. But anyway, but Deedles, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, Ranking Iron and Wine with us. And and like I said, hey, we still get to talk about all three of those albums. In Even great detail, right. So anyways, guys, do us a favor and let us know your ranking on our Facebook page. It's open, and every time people comment, I really love it. We usually respond, too. It's fun. Uh, also, uh, do us a favor. Rank us on iTunes. We always appreciate that. Uh, like us on whatever the hot fuck other things we're on. Uh, and keep on listening, because you know that we'll be seeing the happy episode, guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye. I'm sorry, wait, do that again? <laughs> Richard can't do the marches. I think you have to pay him royalties now. <laughs> the baseline off of that. Actually, I'm pretty sure we don't because we already have permission to use the song. Oh, so. shit! Oh! Just